success is measured on so many different levels and layers, it's kind of vague to, to talk about what success really is and, and how it's measured because it's very personal. Well, and that's why I think you need to have that conversation with yourself and be very frank right. and honest with yourself yeah. and say, what does success look like to me? If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. It's Jim from Making Chips. So glad you could tune in for another episode so we can equip and inspire you and make your business more profitable. I'm sitting here in a, the beautiful DMD II Institute on Goose Island in Chicago. Across from the desk is my good friend and my co-host of two and a half years now, Mr. Jason Zenger. Welcome to making chips, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me here. Yeah, no problem. I feel like I'm, a, I'm, I'm like a guest or something. Yeah. Well, it feels good to be here at DMDII. The facility is a first-class manufacturing facility, and we've been ever so lucky to be able to come in and have them accommodate us and making chips to make this our permanent home going forward. Yeah, it is nice. I mean, because we've got machine tools in in the background that are, you know, trying to come up with the latest and greatest way to machine parts and take costs and out of the system and increase productivity. So I, I like that type of environment. Yeah, it it it's really elevating the game for those people that really want to to get involved and to, for to be in the know. Absolutely. So we have some interesting manufacturing news, Jim, because you were the one in the in the actual manufacturing news. You had a, an article. Um, actually, it was a it was on it was on the TV, and it was turned into an article. So it was yeah, on ABC so that News. Was, yeah, it was it was it was. Kinda, you looked angry in in, in all those. Well, pictures. I was. Yeah, okay, and I'll tell you. So I was approached. Were you acting? Angry or are you really um, angry? I was acting angry. Okay, you know? that's what I thought. So when, when a photographer's there and they're doing said, a big, act angry, Jim. Well, when they're doing a photo shoot, angry you face. have to like you have to like you know look at play the part, right? But anyway, uh, uh, an editor from the Daily Herald, a local Northwest Chicago publication, contacted me last week and said that she was uh, running uh, an editorial on. Illinois was just got the dubious distinction of being ranked 49th in the country for lack of personal income growth. Yeah, cute cue in applause yes. for that one. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And she had been talking to a few people that day, and they said, well, the reason why there has been such a stagnant amount of personal income growth in this state is because manufacturing is really relevant in our state. We haven't seen any growth in jobs in manufacturing in a long period of time, and they felt that that was pushing down income growth. And I said, 
that's absolutely the truth. And I told her about the issues and the problems that we as manufacturers have today with regard to finding and getting skilled, talented, high-paying people in our shops to work for us. And that kind of just led led the whole thing. And they ended up, they the next day, they had a, a photographer come out and do a big photo shoot on us. And it was in the front page of the Daily Herald on Sunday. And what had happened is ABC7 Chicago must have been privy to this particular article. They liked it, and they asked Ann Kukek to be on their show live on Sunday morning. So I got a lot of extra PR. They scrolled about two minutes of my shop and me and the Help Wanted sign. And it it was a great article, and I, I hoped opened up the general public's idea that we really do need to do something in our particular industry, but more importantly in our state, because we're really falling behind. So what did you learn something from this article besides how to give a good angry face? Absolutely. What did you learn? I learned more than ever. I knew it. But I didn't know that it was that serious, Jason. I didn't know that the state was... I didn't know that either. 49th. I mean, it's embarrassingly... It's bad. And the census on the state of Illinois has 30,000 less people than it did seven years ago. Yeah, and I don't understand that because I know I know you live in the suburbs. I live in the city. I have a Chicago address. You're, you have an address in the suburbs. And I, I see home prices I mean, going up all the time. I mean, it's crazy. And I see people coming into the city you know people do leave there's no doubt about that um, but tons of people are coming into the city so I, I just assume that income is rising but maybe that's wrong or maybe the suburbs are getting hit harder than uh, the city is it could be a lot of different things and I, I don't know what the statistics are on that so for this for the states where um, personal income is rising what what is it rising due to do you know that I don't know why they're ranked higher or lower but what I do know is on the site, on the Daily Herald site, and my article that uh, features me shows the states that are ranked the highest. So it doesn't let's, say why. Yeah, it's, so let's look at those. North Dakota, Texas, Utah, Colorado, California, Washington, South Carolina. There's a lot of manufacturing states there. You know, So North Dakota, that could be because of... Oil. Look at Texas. Uh, Texas, they're bringing in a lot of tech there, yeah. um, but they also are bringing in a lot of manufacturing. So is Illinois. Yeah, that's yeah. true. U- Utah, I'm not sure. Colorado, I'm not sure. California, of course, is you know big manufacturing state, and Washington's and, big manufacturing and it's too. Just, it's, it's just it's a great for weather. It's it's the best. And South Carolina is getting a lot of manufacturing too. Uh, I mean, they, they get a lot of really, you know automotive yeah. coming into there. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I really do think that manufacturing is what creates wealth in this country, and um, you know it's it's sad to see that you know the state that we live in can't capture that. But of course, we are we are still one of the biggest manufacturing meccas of the world. We are. But what I learned from Anna Marie Kukek and just discussing this particular feature in the Herald was, and I genuinely believe that because we've had this gap of unskilled talent in manufacturing for such a long period of time, it is one of the reasons why it's driving down personal income growth. Absolutely. So we need to do something better. 
We need to train people. I mean, this state is wonderful. It's got a dynamic, diverse, rich culture. It's got uh, amazing infrastructure. We're in the middle of the country. We've got O'Hare International Airport and Midway Inter- International. We have, we have a great city. We just need to do something right to make it viable once again. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you know, this isn't a um, making chips is not about the state of Illinois. It's to equip and inspire manufactured leaders. But I think the, the one thing that I see as the big problem in Illinois compared to maybe some other states is the fact that the political system here is just terrible. I mean, with the, um, you know, with the corruption and, you know, just people that have been hanging around the politics for just way too long. And there needs to be some changes there. So Jim, what about what what about personal stuff? What's going on in in your world? Well, you you didn't wish me one yet, but you can do right oh, now. Oh yeah, uh, happy anniversary! Yeah, tw- I'm sorry. Happy anniversary, Jim. Twenty nine years yeah, ago, and I got married. Car. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's great. How many years Good for, for you? you? Six years. Six. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty nine. It's uh, it we had the drought of 1988, and then all of a sudden, what that was the drought day, of 80? 19- the drought of 1988. Look it up. Oh, okay. It was a severe drought all summer long. And then on July 16th, it poured. So it was a good thing. I don't understand. What are you saying? You got It, it, it poured on, on my wedding day. It, after, it poured on your wedding day. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that was a good sign, we felt. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, we turned it around and said, you know, it was, it was bad, and then it got really good. You want to hear something funny? Yeah. Why, what, what I think was a good sign for when Amanda and I got married? What's that? You know what song was playing when we got, when we got married? Whitney Houston. No. What? Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> Who? <laughs> Who? You never, you know what song I'm talking about. I do know what. The, I of course I do. No. So why uh, let me is give, that let me give you Let me give you a backstory. Yeah, it, it's not relevant. Do, it's just, do you think it's our just, listeners care? No, I don't know. Okay, but it, I'm going to tell a story really quickly anyway. Um, just because you brought up when you got married. So July 16th, we got married. We got married in Mexico. And, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, Punta Quina. Uh, no, Cabo. Oh, so we got married in Mexico, and in Mexico, you you, you have to do like you have to do your marriage certificate with a in Mexican Spanish. judge in Spanish, you know, so we had to have a translator there and stuff like that. Um, and then we got officially like the real marriage that evening um, with our pastor. He actually flew out to Mexico for us. And, um, you know, so the, the judge came out to the pool where we did the legal paperwork and we were at the pool and that was the song that was playing over the loudspeakers at the pool when, when we were filling out the paperwork. <laughs> were you drinking margaritas while you're filling out the paperwork? Probably. Yeah. Good. That's my kind of wedding, man. So, but then we did, it wasn't like during the ceremony. That's not the song that was playing. So, <laughs> but we did that have a mariachi fun. band. Well, so, anyway, it was kind of a boring weekend for us. For you. But Happy yeah, it was great. You know, it's not easy. It's not easy. I, you know, marriage is—you got to work, just like your, just like our careers and our businesses. I, I'm not trying to articulate marriage as the same as running a business, but at the end of the day, uh, a marriage is two people that are definitely different, and you have to work together to enrich that relationship and keep it going. And you got to be friends with your wife. Absolutely. Sure. And, and you know what? We should actually make an entire episode about how important having a good marriage is to your manufacturing leadership because it's almost like, I mean, I, I could I, I could speak to that, um, you know, for sure. And and it's almost like if you, it's probably best not to be married. I'm not like advocating divorce, obviously, but it's probably best not to be married than to have a bad marriage for 
being a, a manufacturing leader because that could cause so many disruptions. Oh, so, definitely. You know, definitely. It's, there, that's a very multi... I think that like just your your personal relationships is such a key component to being successful in business. I agree. So but what's that's not what we're talking about today. No. We're well, talk- one we more are- thing I want to know what's going oh, on at Zangers. Okay. Anything oh, okay. new and exciting at Zangers? Tell me something good. You know, I, I would say that one of the one of the exciting, stressful, all that kind of stuff, things that's going on is, um, you know, we're trying to figure out our, our succession planning. I've been asking mm. a lot of people that I know, like kind of the network that I'm a part of in the manufacturing industry, you know, what they did. I've talked to, I've been texting back and forth with, you know, Erica Weagle, who's been on a past episode with us before, and she connected me with her guy, and I'm going to speak with him. My dad and I are going are, are gonna to go out and meet him. But it's kind of a, an interesting topic because, you know, my sister is in the business, but we have very different different roles, very different objectives, very different success metrics, which we're going to um, talk a little bit about today. And, you know, I'm going through and making acquisitions and, you know, it's, 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 it's an interesting subject matter to go through. And I think that you and I are going to have to talk about that at, at some point in the near future. So that's, that's been on my mind a little bit. What about you? What's going on at Car Machine? We're going to have to talk about it in the near future? No, not about Zengers, but just the whole idea of succession planning. Oh, absolutely. Um, Oh no, car, car, we're doing we're doing well. You know, I'm looking for um, new employees. I did hire someone just recently, uh, just just this past week. Um, he's a little green, but I think he's got some. He aligned with our core values. I had the entire staff interview him. It looks like he's he's ready to to fly and. Um, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about the future of Car Machine. I'm excited about my son Ryan being in a, a bigger, more dynamic role and starting to lead the company and be be a leader rather than just a follower. So um, that's great. Super good. Maybe you should listen to Making Chip so he can learn how to he be does. a better manufacturer. He does. He does listen good. occasionally. Good. So what are we going to talk about today, Jason? One of the things that I want to bring up, and and you know, I know this is kind of like an emotionally driven topic, I guess, but like one of the things that I've heard before is, you know, Jim and Jason have this podcast making chips, and you know, Jim doesn't employ a thousand people. Well, how does you know why why can he speak to being a manufacturing leader? He's got five guys that work for a shop, and um, my my answer to that is always well. I think Jim is one of the most successful small machine shop owners that I know. I mean, it seems like both an income and freedom of life that that you have for yourself. So I would say that, you know, having this discussion about, you know, like how do you judge your own success, I think is I think is an important subject because you surround yourself with with other people that maybe seemingly might be more successful because they employ more people or they do these buy this certain type of technology that maybe you don't have. But I don't think that that's the most important thing personally. And I just want to know from you, like, how do you judge your own success? Well, first and foremost, I mean, measuring your own success is a very different thing to, to a lot of different people. Absolutely, It could be financial success. It could be it could be any any kind of success, um, what, whatever, however you measure success and what it means to you in your mind is what it's going to be. I feel like I've been successful because I've been in the business for a long time. I learned it from the ground up. I've learned to network and learn from my peers how to be a better leader and to delegate responsibility and to not be so worried about working outside of your business, on your business rather than in your business. And 
although I, you know, I've um, gotten a little slack from that, and it's been very hard to move outside of that comfort zone. At the end of the day, um, it's been successful. It's been it's so it's been a personal success story more than a financial reward success for me. I will tell you that you know I'm working harder. Business has changed drastically in the last three to five years. The the 80s and 90s were rich with cash, and anybody you talk to in our industry would would not disagree with me, and they would say that during those those decades, it was very easy for a small industrial manufacturer to make money. Oh, yeah. I, I can attest to that because of the stories my dad tells me. Right. He tells me that, okay, so we have a tool distributorship, and it, it started out as just like a tool store almost, and now we do a lot more things like tool curb management and on-site continuous improvement and vending machines, all that kind of stuff. But it started out as basically a shop, a store for machine shop owners. And my dad used to tell me stories about in the 80s and 90s that owners and foremen and, and people that you know worked in these shops would come in and buy a Kennedy tool chest and literally just fill it up with tools and precision tools and drill sets and just whatever else. And, and people would be standing in line to do that. Yeah. It is so, not like that anymore. It's not. So fast forward to where we're at right now. We've gone through a lot of iterations of business. Both, yeah, we both have. a lot have. of yeah. changes. A lot of changes. The advent of the internet has completely changed the way we do business and the way we go to business. But um, it, it, I don't see it as this money-making machine that it once was. Quite frankly, I'm working harder than I ever have now than I was 10 or 15 years ago. I'm doing it because I want to and I enjoy working hard in my business, out of my business, and through things that I'm doing like with you through this podcast, equipping and inspiring other people. But at the same thing, I'm getting rewarded, not necessarily in a monetary way, but I'm getting re- I'm getting enriched by getting all of that information and being able to share it with everybody else. As long as I can pay the bills, have a quality of life that I'm used to, then I'm happy. And I mean, I think I know the secret sauce for running a small business successfully and profitably. I, w- I would say I would agree with it. Yeah. Like, like I said before, I think that you're one of the most successful small machine shop owners that I know. Well, thank and you. I, and I that's see, that's well, very I, kind. Yeah, but, I see how you live your life. I mean, used to, you know, you condo downtown, nice house in the suburbs. I mean, you know, you have to understand too, Jason, that, you know, I'm considerably older than you by at least a generation. Considerably in capital letters. Considerably, yeah, considerably, 18 to be honest. And, you know, I've, I've had time to accrue a little bit more over that period of time. And, you know, I've been in the family business for a long time. And you have to understand that my family, my wife's family, comes from a manufacturing background as well. So, you know, we've had, and we, and my wife has worked very hard. We've, we, we were fortunate that our parents instilled dynamic and powerful work ethics in us. 
I, you know, I, when I started out working full time with my dad, I was always working part time in the restaurant business, bartending. And my wife, she's a hairstylist and she's been, she's had a very successful career in that particular industry. And, um, you know, we've, we've had family wealth over that period of time too. So, you know, I'm not saying that all this success has come in a short term. It's definitely kind of a legacy thing that you live in your life, but you've got to be smart about it and you've got to remember where it came from and how you're going to move it into the next generation. Okay, so let's let's get down to like some real metrics. And let's talk about two different things and then I can relate it back to to myself as well. So at the end of 2017, which is the year that we're recording we're releasing this episode, how how do you judge whether you've been successful? And when you get towards retirement age, how do you judge whether you've been successful? Like, do you have a, a, a distinct... Are you asking me? I'm, I'm asking you. I know what I know what mine is. Uh, and uh, do you have a very distinct measurement that's, that you said, yes, I've been successful, not based on what other people think that I should be doing, but based on my own judgment as a manufacturing leader? I've definitely been successful. No, no, no. But if I you, look back right you know? now, I, I how no, do I'm I not, know? I'm not looking. I'm not telling you to look back. I'm saying look forward. Look forward to the end of this year, and how do you know that you have been successful this year? Have I grown? Have I grown personally? Have I grown the business? Have I grown my uh, network? All, all three of those things. Okay, but I mean, do do you actually? I'm not put, measuring it monetarily. You, no, I'm not asking Fiscally, for monetary. No, no, but I mean, you don't put, you don't have any kind of like numbers on there, and you're like, yes, I've grown it by this much, or I've grown that by this much. It's just a feeling that you have. Ryan and I have set goals for what we want to do in 2017 from a sales standpoint, and you know, sales profits definitely are reflective of your sales. If you grow 20% in sales, you're going to grow a certain X amount in profit, right? We are trending higher than last year. I don't necessarily know that we're hitting our goals that we set forth for the year, but is, is that what you're asking me? Sort of. I mean, it sounds like maybe you haven't, you don't necessarily have something that you've written on the wall, um, which is. It's written on a Google Doc. Okay, so you do have a written, so you can tell by the end of the year whether you've actually achieved whatever, whatever that is. We, Growth by this much. We achieved the goal by buying a new CNC by June thirtieth, twenty seventeen. Okay, we did that. So boom, knock that one off. Okay, we have not looked at the metrics yet for the for the end of the uh, second quarter to see if we hit our sales goals. Okay, I think I, I don't necessarily know if we hit it. But we definitely have our close, which is an increase over what we wanted to do. And you know, we're, I'm a small company. We're we're doing that. I would never have done that, you know, had I not been out and about and 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 learned from my peers, you know, the importance of doing that. One of the main reasons why I pulled the trigger on that CNC machine tool, June 28th, was because I knew I had it written in my goal setting for 2017 that I was going to buy a new piece of CNC equipment by June 30th. And so your your one of your measurements is, of success is replacing some of your older machine tools with with newer more modern ones. 
Absolutely. If, if, if you're not growing, you're going you're gonna to fall back and it's, it's going to catch up with you eventually. You have to bring in the new technology. You have to do it. Okay. And, and it's scary sometimes to do that. But at the end of the day, I, I don't know anybody that hasn't done that, that has been happy or, or has been successful. Unless we fall into a recession, you know, next year, then it's not going to be pretty. But um, no. Um, okay. Well, so success. Let's go back. Let's, let's, you, you asked me a question. I think that I asked it for you. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it around on you and, and, and ask you the same question. Have you achieved success or what, what is your long-term goal for success? Because honestly, I'm looking out at retirement. I don't know if it's three years, five years, or 10 years from now. But I mean, I, we, my wife and I definitely have talked about retirement. What does it look like for us? Yeah. So I, I, can, I can answer that question for me. So like one, my biggest gauge as to whether I'm being successful in my leadership and in the company and everything is, you know, I've got, I've got the numbers that I want to hit. So I like, I know, you know, by this date, I want to, I want to do this in sales, have this many people, um, have this many, you know, um, tool crib installations, you know, I've got a bunch of different metrics like that. But one of the biggest criteria that I have in my own leadership and personally is I want to always be moving towards only working on the day-to-day things that I do best and not doing the things that I don't love. So that is my biggest criteria is that I want to continuously be delegating and having people take off of my plate the things that I don't love to do because I want to be doing what I love to do on a daily basis. And Mm -hmm. that's my biggest criteria and how I'm judging my success. And I've made tremendous um, progress in that in that this year, but I want it to be, you know, a constant gauge that I'm looking at, you know, what do I love to do? And that's those are the things that I want to be doing on a day to day basis. And I think that not only is that going to provide me with a ton of satisfaction in what I do, but it's also going to provide my, my teammates a, a lot of satisfaction in what they do, because it's going to help me improve the company. And hopefully, I'm going to be giving them things that they love to do that maybe I don't like to do. Does that does that make sense? Totally. I mean, people have been just taking so many things away from me. I haven't been going in the office very often, and it's been great because people are taking control and and they're doing the things that that they should be doing and the things that I shouldn't be doing. So, and I want that in order for me to. Do you I get feel as though that you're losing control. Oh, absolutely. But there's there's a there's a level of and and once again this could be another future episode. There's there's a level of gauging the activities that are going around mm-hmm. that are going on so that yep. you can make sure that you still have control. And there's also um there, there's also having well, metrics control, and accountability. Yeah, metrics and accountability. And there's also, you know, having control over certain things such that you don't lose control. Because I have seen business owners go under because they lost control of things like it is simple and silly as it sounds, the bank account. Yeah. Like I watch that thing like a hawk. You right. know what I mean? So do I. So like yeah. I, I know the money that's going in and out, even though we do a ton of transactions, that, that's where you <laughs> that's where you can get into the most trouble. I agree. So I, I know the the inflow and the outflow of cash and and to me that's the most important thing. And so do I love watching that? Um no, but is that a responsibility? But it's you a can res- delegate. Well, yeah, of course, it is a responsibility I can delegate, and 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 I've delegated it ninety five percent of the way. But 
there's that 5% that I still need to verify what's going on in order to make sure that I still have that control that I need to have. And, it, and it's not, it, it, it's just a responsibility. As a business owner, that's, that's something that you need to be clearly responsible for. It's kind of like the vision of the company. You, you can't, you can't outsource, at least I don't think you can. I don't, I don't think a business owner should outsource the vision of the company. They can get help, but you know, unless you're not going to be CEO of the company mm-hmm. and you're going to hire that out, um, you really need to have control over that as well. So I just want to be doing what I love on a day-to-day basis. So like I can give an example of that. So that's kind of related to the, you know, the banking side of things and the accounting inflow, inflow and outflow. We're a very, very data intensive company. So there's a lot of analytics that we look at um, on a regular basis because we, we do so many transactions both internally and for our customers. And we use those analytics in order to help our customers improve their business and also to get an understanding of what's going on in our business. And, you know, we're just dealing with so many different, you know, we, we sell thou- a thousand different brands of products in there. They all have different pricing structures and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm like the best person in my company at that. And I still haven't figured out how to outsource that one thing. But that I would love to outsource more than anything, even though I'm really good at it. Hopefully there's somebody out there that's better than I am that, that loves it even more than I am. And, I, and that is one of the next big things that I'm looking to outsource. But what I won't outsource is having a very clear understanding of, of, of my checkbook and what's going in and out. And that makes sense. And that makes sense. And that's how I'm gauging my, my, my own success is, is am I doing the things that I love? At the end of the year, have I done the things on a day-to-day basis that I love to do and gotten my team to do the things that, that I don't love to do and that they love to do? So you don't judge yourself based on the size of your company not compared to your peers. That's I good do to, not want to. That's be good to hear. A twenty-five man shop. I know how to be successful being a small shop. My and, dad instilled that in me, and, he, and so for the other he machine taught me those things. And so for the other machine shop owners out there who have smaller shops, there's no, you know, there's no judgment in not being as big as you know no. the guy down the street that has a hundred no. people. The only thing that. I will say is it doesn't allow me to have um, a better impact in negotiating with vendors or with banks or, you know, if I was a $50 million a year company, I would have better negotiating tactics. I would have better vendor resources, but I'm not willing yet to, to grow to that to that size. Um, maybe my son Ryan wants to at it, some time. I don't know. We'll talk about it when the time comes, but um, yeah. And you know, everyone leads their business differently, Jason. You know that as well as I do. There's hundreds of thousands of different ways business owners lead their business, and success is measured on so many different levels and layers, it's kind of vague to to talk about what success really is and, and how it's measured because it's very it's very personal. Well, and that's why I think you need to have that conversation with yourself and be very frank right. and honest with yourself yeah. and say, what does success look like to me? Yeah. And and not just go to work on a day to day basis and fight fires and have some goal that you have out there to to grow the business to without any reason for achieving that goal. And that's the whole reason why I wanted to have that conversation because I believe that there's a lot of people out there that really don't haven't really grasped what what does success look like for me. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that 
aren't aligned to achieve success. It's not for them. I mean, to own a business and be successful. Do you know what I mean? Sort of. Do you think that all people that are out there today that own that are manufacturing leaders should own businesses? No, absolutely okay. not. That's what I, that's what I'm saying. So that that's just another level of success that maybe they shouldn't even be there. Absolutely. I mean, I know a very successful manufacturing leader. I just, you know, went for a bike ride out with him on Saturday and he never, he, he told me point blank because we kind of, he just retired at 59 years old and he's been very successful throughout his manufacturing career. And he was very honest with me. He was like, I never wanted to own a business. Yeah. That was not my thing. He was right. like, I, I chose to make a lot of money by working for consulting and doing what I could do in order to help the owner of the company be successful themselves. I never wanted to own a business. That yeah. was never my goal in order to do that. But, you know, he's a very successful guy and he just retired at what, at what I believe is a very early age so that he could do what he loves to do on a day-to-day basis. And so you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. No, I, I, I could not agree with you more. And then again, it's all what you want to do when you retire as well. I mean, you know, do you want to travel the world or do you want to live in a camper out in a farm field? You know, I mean, I could retire tomorrow too. If I guess I wanted to, I, you know, I'm in a position that I could financially do that, but I'm not, I don't think I'm being able to sustain the quality of life that I want to and, and do that at the, at this point. So, and I enjoy working. I enjoy, you know, I enjoy the, the challenge of, of work and life and relationships and business and, and, and all those things. So Jason, what do you think people should do to follow up with how to be successful? I mean, it's a very introspective, personal, thing. It's measured in a lot of different ways. Success is, uh, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. What can our listeners do after they hear the outro to equip and inspire them to be more successful in their day-to-day grind? My recommendation would be write down what it means to you to be successful. Be your own judge of your own success and grade yourself towards that. So at the end of the year, determine, was I successful this year? Or at the end of five years, was I successful? It's kind of like the vision of your company, but it's a little bit different um, because you have your objectives that you're trying to achieve as a, as a company, but you also need to have your own personal manufacturing leadership objectives and and determine whether you're successful, but be your own judge. Very well said. So I just want to share with our listeners, you know, we we hope and we always say at the end of the at the end of the show, you know, we're just here sharing what we hear, what we know, what we learn with you, the metalworking nation. If we've inspired you or equipped you in some capacity, can you go to iTunes? Just quickly search for Making Chips in your iTunes podcast app, and and. Give us a quick rating, you know, hopefully a five star, say, you know, a couple nice things, you guys rock, whatever you want to say, or, you know, you can go on and on and say how, how great we are. That would be appreciated too. But at the end of the day, uh, if you could help us out with that, um, iTunes loves ratings and rankings, and so do we. Makes us smile. At the end of the day, I want to say what my dad always used to tell me and has inspired me to do this show, and of course, it's the mantra to the entire podcast, and that's, Jim, 
If you're not making ships, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear, and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Is it, is it working? Let's go. Go. Come on. One more time. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, Metalworking Nation. Jim here from you, Making Chips. No, you're, going, you're, you're talking too fast. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Slow down there. <laughs> Hello, Metalworking Nation. Jim here from Making Chip. It's a beautiful day. Did you just say from Making Chip? J- you did. You said, hey, Jim here from Making Chip. Did I really? Yeah, it's I made it chips. singular. <laughs> yeah, start all over. Again. Come on. Come on, get Jason. Your, Let's get, get... You know what? Get your act together. I, I know. Well, we've, been out of, we've been out of here for so long.